Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor, and we're just uh, honored to continue a great series called The Summer of Wisdom. And uh, if you're a guest with us, we always invite our guests to come back at least three times. Come on, somebody shout three times. Uh, as we always know that when you go to a new place, sometimes you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. Sometimes it's weird. Sometimes it's odd. Sometimes you're like, I don't know if I like that guy. So give me two more chances, and uh, maybe you'd be your spiritual family. Do me a favor. Uh, if you're watching online, like, comment, share, leave a review. Do some in the chat. Let us know that you're there, and uh, we're so glad that you're with us, joining us all over the world, and uh, what's really cool, we have so many people that watch us just uh, in places that I didn't even know, and so it's uh, pretty amazing to see the gospel of Jesus get out. So we are continuing a series called The Summer of Wisdom, and um, we, it's been great because we're looking at the book of Proverbs, um, and, and what I've noticed, I, I grew up in church. I don't know if you grew up in church, but um, it was easy to take the Word of God and make the Word of God kind of plain and normal and ordinary, and the way we did that, and it wasn't intentional, but, you know, we, we would have these scriptures, and we do it differently nowadays. I think we do it in a way where we kind of post. How many of y'all do that? Do y'all do, like, the retweet or the repost of the Bible verse of the day? Come on, how many of y'all do that, right? We, 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 we post it, and we're like, that's good, and it goes out to the world, and that's a good thing. I think it's good to spread the message of Jesus and, the you know, the Bible verses, but sometimes when you see things a lot, you can kind of take advantage of them, or you don't really see them kind of on a shallow level level, and Proverbs is really easy to do that because most of Proverbs is like a one-liner punchy tweet is really what it is, and it's from one of the smartest men ever who ever lived on this earth, and so he gave us his like best of the best in a 31-chapter book, and we can really, if we're not careful, we can kind of see it for shallow versions and not really what it really is, and so we've been looking at it for the last several weeks, and in week one, we talked about what wisdom was, really the idea of wisdom, kind of what the book of Proverbs is. It was benefits and how, what it means to bring uh, life to us when we read the book of Proverbs. In week two, we talked about the fear of the Lord and the idea that, that you know, what is the fear of the Lord, and how do we have the fear of the Lord in our lives? And I asked that question. I don't know if it kind of messed with you like it messed with me. It's, we asked this question, have we gotten too comfortable with sin, right? Have we gotten too comfortable with being close to the line? Like, we get real close to the line, and we're like, oh, remember when, do you remember when, like, sometimes sin was, like, something you got, you didn't anywhere near, but then, like, the longer time went on, we got a little more comfortable near the line, and the fear of the Lord teaches us, hey, let's be careful with that. Let's not, let's not see how close we can get to it. Let's see how far we can stay away from it. Honestly, that was kind of our, our thought, and then last week, we talked about I didn't get to talk about it. Pastor Steve Robinson, who sits on our board, was here. And he talked about the idea of having a generous eye and what that actually means. And it was a great piece of wisdom that came from Proverbs. But today, we're going to talk about something what I think is maybe... Um, um, is the key to, to all of the Proverbs. And I think this is really important because I think fear of the Lord, you, you can't have wisdom without the fear of the Lord. So I think it starts, wisdom starts with the fear of the Lord. That's what Solomon said. But this is kind of like the wisdom that you, you actually need to know this before you can actually do all of the Proverbs. And we're going to talk about that today. And so in, um, um, uh, we're going we're gonna to kind of open up the scriptures. We're going to be in the book of Proverbs. But before we do that, let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, today um, you, you have something to say to us. And, and um I woke up today so grateful for the breath of my lungs. I woke up today so, so grateful for a new day um, to draw closer to you. And as we talk about your word and the message you have for us today, I pray that, that everybody in here takes a moment to turn their brains off to the rest of the world and to open up their minds to you. Let our hearts be open and our minds be clear in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Um, I have a question. I was just curious. Have you ever felt stuck? 
in life? Like, if you have, can you just, like you put deodorant on this morning, raise your hand. Just, just, I just want to know, if you ever felt stuck, okay, good. So I feel like most of us have had this moment where you felt stuck in life. One of the um, critical moments I've ever felt stuck in my life happened when I was in high school. Um, when I was in middle school, I, I went to middle school all three years in um, Albuquerque, New Mexico, and, and I was in one neighborhood. But in, in, when I moved to high school, my family moved from one side of the town to the other side of the town. And for those of you who don't know what that means, that basically means you go to a completely different high school than all of your friends went to because they all went to the, you know, the high school that everybody grew up in middle school. And then I went to a different high school and I didn't know anybody. So my first day of school, I walk into high school and, and I was nervous. It's high school already. I'm already a freshman. I'm a little you know, dorky. I, I'm, I'm kind of a quirky guy. I didn't know. I, I like people, but I didn't know really how to relate to them. So I'm kind of like, this is weird. And then I didn't know anybody. So I packed my lunch. I had my little lunch bag because I didn't know why. I didn't want to mess with the school lunch. And I'm sitting in this courtyard kind of off to the side. So there's like the main lunch area. And I was sitting off to the side, this like courtyard off in the, in where you can't really be seen. And because I was kind of hiding a little bit. And I'm sitting there and I open up my lunch and I pull out my sandwich. I'm starting to eat my sandwich and I happen to look up to the right and there's this girl and she's running as fast as she can across the courtyard and I was like huh that's interesting and I look over to the left and there's another girl and she's running as fast as she can in the opposite direction and I started eating my sandwich and I was like huh that's interesting and before you know it, they met up directly in front of me and started the craziest fight I had ever seen in my life on the first day. And I'm like, what is going on? They're fighting 10 feet in front of me. And I don't know if you've ever seen a girl fight before. They're vicious. Ladies, y'all are mean. Guys, we, I think we, we hit each other to knock each other out. Ladies, I think you hit each other to see how much pain you can inflict without keep, when keeping them alive. You know what I'm saying? And so they're fighting, and I'm like, what in the world? And so like a good Christian young man that I am, I sat there and watched it while I ate my sandwich. <laughs> I'm like, this is powerful, you know? And I'm like, wow. And I just was watching it, and hair's being pulled, and punches are being thrown, and there's, I'm like, well, this is crazy. And what happens is the typical thing, which is the high school thing. Y'all know what happened. The circle started, and the people started getting around, screaming, you know, everybody, we're all going to do this because it's just fun when you have a crowd around, and we're all going to say this. We're all going to say, fight, fight, Fight on the count of three. Okay, we're going to do it in rhythm. Fight, right? Fight, fight. All right, on the count of three. One, two, three. Fight, fight, fight. That's what was happening. And I don't know if you've ever been in one of those circles. I'm not even, I'm not necessarily a proponent of fighting, but I was pumped up because I was in the middle. I had the only seat. I was sitting on the wall. Everybody else was circled around, and I was like, this is crazy. Like, Y'all see what's going on? I'm like, oh, you know. And, and eventually, the, um, the, 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 the crowd started to circle in a little tighter. And I don't know if you've ever done that, but as the, as the crowd gets tighter, the girls are trying to, like, get out. Like, one girl was trying to get out. She couldn't get out. They wouldn't let her out. The other girl grabbed her and pulled her back in. I'm like, this is, like, crazy. And before I knew it, I, I found myself standing holding my sandwich. 
and I was getting closer and because people were pushing me in and closer. And before you know it, I tried to turn around and get out of the circle myself and they wouldn't let me out. And I felt at one point the girl started fighting as I'm trying to get out of the circle. They're fighting behind me. And I'm like, I can't. Do, so I couldn't get out. These girls are beating. I was caught in a girl fight. And I didn't even know it. And I just got stuck in the girl fight and I was trying to get out. Teacher showed up. Everything was broken up. And I say that story because that was the one time in my life where I felt like I, I, I couldn't get out of something that I really wanted to get up until the next day and the next day after that and then I became an adult and I started to realize all the things I feel like I get stuck in that I can't get out of and I don't know if you've ever that's a silly story about being stuck in something but, but truthfully some of you in here we've, you've been stuck for a long time you've been stuck in your finances you've been stuck at like a financial level has anybody ever just looked at your bank account and you be just like I mean where did my money go? You know what I'm saying? Right now we can identify it because it's gasoline <laughs> and milk and sugar. But there was a day where we couldn't identify it, right? And you're stuck and you're fine. Some of you have been stuck at a physical level in your body and you've been frustrated. And you get up and you look at the scale or you look at the mirror and you're frustrated, and you're like, eh, I wish, I feel like I wanted to get out. Some of you are stuck in your, in your marriage. And, and right now, your marriage is not what you want it to be. And you see, that's the hard thing about life, isn't it? Because you see what you want, but you're stuck. Somebody say stuck. Like, I'm stuck. I feel like I'm in a girl fight, and I can't get out, right? You're trying to fight yourself out. I didn't know what to do. And I think if you feel stuck, it makes you feel unsuccessful. And when you feel unsuccessful, you start to see all the successful, right? Isn't it funny how the more unsuccessful you feel, the more stuck you feel, you seem to find all the people who don't seem to be stuck like you are because social media shows you all the pictures of everybody else who are doing things that you want them to, like, right, right? Nowadays, it's easy to find out all the people who are unstuck. At least we had ignorance 20 years ago because you didn't know what your friends were doing or your family was doing or your cousin or your ex-girlfriend she's over there it's like you didn't know but now you know and you can feel stuck and and I think the difference between success and failure in life is not aptitude it's really attitude Solomon talks about that in fact in Proverbs it's a big theme and here's how he describes it he describes it the Bible describes it as a what they call a teachable spirit a just the ability, do you have a, a t it's not what you know, it's like, do you have the ability to access the knowledge and the wisdom that the God that we serve gives to us? And the longer I'm a leader, okay, I've been leading in ministry for over 20 years and been, been in, in, in a lot of areas where I've had to lead people. The longer I, I do this, and Pastor Jason can attest to this, the longer you, have, you, 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 you deal with people, you realize it's not their ability to, to, um, to gain information, it's their ability to apply the information, and that really comes from their attitude. Because if you have a terrible attitude and spirit, and like you don't think anybody can teach you nothing, there's no point in us talking. And I've just been shocked about how many people who come as a pastor, will you help me with this? And I'll sit you in counseling and I'll walk you through, do this, this, and this. And then you come to me a week later and you'd be like, nothing changed. And I said, well, did you do this, this, and this? And you say, no. 
And I'm like, you unteachable. And Solomon said, this is the wisdom that unlocks all other wisdom. Because if you can't get this, it doesn't matter what he says. 26 of the 31 chapters cover this topic. This is how important it is. 10 start with this topic. I'll give you a few of them. You want to hear them? Proverbs chapter 12. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. That's like the worst verse in all the Bible, isn't it? Like all the, all the kids and all the, like, parents love that, that scripture. Are you giving me a quote? That's a good one, parents, if you need to write that down. Be like, you know what the Bible says, son? But whoever hates correction is stupid. Thanks, Solomon. <laughs> whoever disregards discipline comes to poverty and shame, but whoever heeds correction is honored. Proverbs 12. With a way of fools seems right to them, but the wise, I like this, the wise listen to advice. They listen to advice. I just wonder, is that, does that describe you? Who, 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 what in those scriptures, who, which one are you? You notice how there's like a, a, like a this one or you're that one. And I read these scriptures and I'm like, sometimes I'm that one. Sometimes I'm that one. And, and I think Solomon is telling us to the, our ability to have a teachable spirit, right? It directly affects the success in our life. So, so I thought, I thought. How do you know if you struggle with a teachable spirit? Because if I'm in your position, because I'm like putting this message together, and I'm like, how, do I, how would I know that, God? God, okay, help me. Because I want to have a, I believe you, Solomon. I feel like the word of God is true. I know it. I want to have a teachable spirit. How do I know I don't? What, what are the signs? What are the, what are the ways that I, I kind of know? Number one, if you're, if you're taking notes, um, if you, here's how you know. Number one, if you have a chronic failure in an area of your life. Like if you meet people, and um, if you, or maybe it's you, and you, you, I just want you to like examine just a few areas of your life. And if you feel like you always, always consistently fail in that area, it could be that you're unteachable. Because if you consistently fail in an area, just getting the knowledge to change in that area doesn't really mean anything. But if somebody can't like teach you how to do it and your ability to adapt to it and actually apply it to your life, that's how you get better at something. And so I've just noticed people, they'll come to me and they'll say like, hey man, I feel, you know, my finances are like this and I feel like this and my wife fight like this and this and this. And I'm like, okay, okay, did you try this? Well, no. And then they go back and they do the same thing again. And it's chronic failure because it's not failure one time, it's repeated failure. And I don't know if you've you ever seen the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting something different to happen. And you would be surprised how we can cover that in Bible and Christianity. And we'll do the same thing over and over again and we'll tell people we're praying about it. When you're not really praying about it, you're really talking to God and telling what you're really doing is telling God all the reasons that you're failing at something. And, and I, I just wonder if that's some of us. Number two, another way you can, if you're defensive, defensiveness. If anybody ever tried to bring something to you, like, hey, man, I want to address this with you. Can I just share something in my heart? Like, you know, your breath stinks. Would you just put a breath in your mouth before you talk to me? I mean, it doesn't matter what he says. I'm just being silly. But, like, let's just say someone addresses to you. And when the first thing that comes out of your mouth is defensiveness, 
your ability to defend. So which means like, it sounds like, yeah, but. Those are the yeah, but people. Do y'all know a yeah, but person? If you don't, it might be you. As someone brings something up to you, your wife tells you, listen, honey, I've asked you, could you please comb your hair before we go out? Yeah, but you don't understand. I have to do it like this. And you just, and you defend, could be. You got a little bit of spirit of that. You got a little sign of that. You can't be teach. You can't be taught nothing. You're unteachable. Third one, isolation. This is a good one, too. This is um, interesting, especially in marriage. Uh, Dr. John Gottman, who's kind of like a professional marriage person, okay? He's got an institute. He knows. If there's anybody who's like a professional, and this is him. And he has this, um, this theory he calls the four horsemen of the apocalypse when it comes to marriage. It's how you know if, if you have these four things inside of your marriage or your relationship, they can statistically show you you have a high probability of you not making it in your marriage. And one of them was stonewalling, or he said repeated isolation. So when someone brings something up to you or you're in an argument or you're in a moment where maybe you could learn something, you don't have a conversation, you disappear and isolate. And, and, and it keeps you from getting better because you're stuck in what you think is right. Number four, um, here's one, the blame. This is a sign if you're unteachable, if you're really good at blaming. By the way, uh, blame is the language of victims. And if I have to remind you of something, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're not a victim. You're not. You're not a victim. Don't use language of victims. You're a victor. No, you went through something. I get it. I get it. You went through something, but you're not a victim. The more you act like a victim, the more you talk like a victim, the more you Become a vi- You can't be a victor if you're a victim. You see what I'm saying? You're, you're not that. So when you blame someone, when someone's trying to teach you something, they're saying, hey, you know, I'd love for you to, can we talk about this, blah, blah, blah. Well, you, they start off with that, right? Well, if you would have just told me, hold on. I'm going to talk about me right now. I'm going to talk about you. I just want, can we talk about you for just a sec? Do you see the difference? And when you're teachable, you don't turn it around on someone else. When you're teachable, you go, they got something to say. Even if they're not 100% right, I can learn from this. Y'all see, what, y'all see the difference? There's a teachableness in your spirit. And the last one could be a sign. You surround yourself with um, what I call yes men. This is, this is you, you would think this would be really, really rare, but it's actually the most common thing I think right now. Um, because it's easy to surround yourself with people who are like-minded. And now we're not talking about the traditional wisdom in the sense that, like, hey, make sure you surround yourself with, you know, like when you're, when you're an adult, when, you're, when I was a youth pastor, I used to tell the teenagers all the time, like, don't surround yourself with, you're an eagle, don't surround yourself with turkeys. You know what I'm saying? I use stuff like that. Y'all, y'all heard that kind of stuff? Or you see one of those inspirational grams or whatever, the ta- you know, the big posters, and they're like, soar like an eagle, don't run with turkeys or whatever, you know. That's not what I'm talking about. Because there's traditional wisdom in that. But there's also really good wisdom, especially if you're a leader and surrounding yourself with people who don't believe like you, think like you, vote like you, talk like you, walk like you, look like you all the time. And, and one of the things I think that our world right now is struggling with is the consistent echo chambers we create inside of our lives. 
because you don't know this, the social media algorithms that y'all are addicted to, they're making it easy for you. Because when you look up something that the Democrats said, they find something on the internet and they connect you with another person that says something about them Democrats. When you, see, when you look up something about them Republicans, they, the internet connects you with other people who looked at it. And all of a sudden, before you know it, all your friends say all the same things you do. One of the genius things I ever heard in history came from Abe Lincoln. And he, uh, some of you don't know this, but so Abe Lincoln is widely regarded as you know, obviously one of the most popular presidents, but one of the most significant presidents in all of our lifetime. And he runs for president and he wins and enters into office. And the president has the, uh, the, right and authority to appoint his cabinet. And unlike today, he appoints people into his own cabinet that ran against him and opposed him in all of the issues. And he put his cabinet full of people who said, I, can I push you back? Can I push back on what you're saying? Can I, can I, can I, I couldn't think of a more appropriate example of somebody who had a teachable spirit. That was like, man, I, I might not see this whole thing correctly. I kind of need a full 360 view rather than my narrow-minded ideology of what I think is right. Didn't make him not the leader. To me, it made him a better leader. I'm like, that's wonderful. He's able to see it all as much as he can from different sides of the issue. And if we're not careful, we have the, can have the opposite spirit. And we can surround ourselves with a bunch of people who just affirm you in all of your ridiculousness. Which seems to be happening right now. Just a thought. So, so, so if, if you struggle with any of these signs, this could be the reason why. And I just wanted to give you five. I think these are spirits. Five quick spirits. If you take note, this is, this is an important take note thing or go back and watch this again. Because I'm giving you a bunch of points. But, but they all work together. Five, five signs, I think. Okay, so you have five signs. But then these are the five spirits that, that kind of keep you unteachable. Because if you find out that you're unteachable, this is a spirit you got to root out. Number one is pride. And pride's interesting because um, pride says you know everything. And if you know everything, then what else is there to teach? I really want you to think about that. Do you, are you known as the person who knows everything? You should take a blind poll in your family or uh, ask your friends or uh, talk to a leader or a pastor. I'll tell you. But, you know, like, yeah, find out, you know, don't ask yourself because whenever, I don't know if you ever asked yourself about you, you come out amazing. <laughs> have you ever noticed that? I'm like, I took a poll on myself. I found out uh, I have a 100% approval rating. Like 100%. It's great. They're, I'm going to be reelected. It's going to be awesome in my life. But, but pride tells you, 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 you don't, I know everything. I like what Proverbs chapter 16, it says pride goes before destruction. You know that scripture. That scripture came from Proverbs. Solomon knew it. In fact, he found that out later in his life. A haughty spirit before fall. Pride can make us think we need no person or no thing. Number two, rebellion. I've noticed um, much of our teaching comes from authority. And authority to some people 
like a no-no word in your life because of how authority has been to you in your life. But just because someone abused their position in your life doesn't make that position wrong. Because I talk to people all the time. They're like, well, you know, I don't really trust the church because it hurt me. I said, well, first, the church didn't hurt you. The bride of Christ didn't hurt you. Someone in the church who represented the church hurt you. And I'm sorry for that. But because they abused you in their role and their position doesn't make that role or position wrong or ungodly or unbiblical. It just means they were wrong. And it wasn't okay what they did. I don't validate that, but it doesn't invalidate the role and the position that God calls the church to be. Does that make sense? And, and I, I, that takes processing and that takes counseling, I think. That takes sometimes you got to work through some of those wounds. But we all need authority in our life. Me left unto myself. Are you kidding? <laughs> and none of us, people think authority is great for others, just not for ourselves. Because I would, if I was to come up here on this platform and be like, hey, guess what, guys? Got rid of my board. Got rid of our pastors. Got no accountability. But it's all good. How'd that make you feel? You'd be starting to like, I don't know about that. I like him. He's got some decent points in preaching. His hair's okay, but <laughs> if he ain't got nobody tell him no, I don't know about yeah. Y'all see? But when I tell you you need a pastor, yeah. I'm good. I got people in my life, you know, my friends. My wife, she tell me what. I listen to my wife. I listen to her. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Feels awkward in here. It's true, though, isn't it? Because you don't want nobody telling you what to do. Rebellion is that spirit that rises up into us every time someone tries to teach you something. And every time, I don't know if you ever know this, it never goes away. Every time someone has to teach me something, that spirit tries to creep up in me. And I'm like, tell me what to do. And the, the more authority you get in this life, the bigger that spirit rears its ugly head. Because you start thinking no one can teach you nothing. Because you've been teaching a bunch of people something. I remember I was in a... Um, Proverbs 17, I'll read this and I'll tell you. An evil man seeks only rebellion. I don't know about you. I would rather not be known as an evil man. Be known as a kind man, godly man, righteous man. I don't, I don't want to be known as that. When I was a youth pastor, I was just started off in ministry. I just kind of got my first taste at, like, authority in people's lives, especially spiritual authority. And um, I'm, like, walking, I'm like, telling these kids, we're going to youth. All right, we're going to go on a trip. We're going to go paintballing. I'm like, because... I'd been in ministry now a couple of years, and these kids are driving me crazy, so I felt like the only way I can get back at them is shoot them with a paintball. So, and I was like, all right, we're going to go paintballing. So we get to the thing, and I'm like, y'all need to listen and pay attention because you'll be representing the church and me and God. And he's looking at you. So don't be bad. Listen and obey. I'm like, all right. 
Let's get out of the cars. Let's go. All right. So we get out there, and the guy starts teaching us. This is some little punk teenage kid teaching us how to do paintball. I'm older than him. I know more than him. He don't know nothing. And he looks at me, and he goes, all right, everybody. He just goes out on the rules, and he goes, final rules. Don't lift up. While you're on the field, you do not take your mask off or anything. And I wasn't paying attention to him because he's a punk teenage kid. So we get on the field, and I'm running around, and my mask starts to fog up because I had glasses on at the time. So I couldn't see, and I'm like this. So I get behind this tree. I pull up my mask, and the guy goes, blows the whistle. He goes, sir, put your mask back on. And I'm, I can't describe it to you. But I, w- I just was like, I almost ripped it off. And walked out onto the field and said, what are you going to do? What are you going to do about it? That's what in my mind, you ever have a flashback of what you want to do, but you don't actually do it, but you want to do it? Come on, don't talk to me, ladies, like you don't want your husband just backmouth you. And you'd be like, if, if I could get away with it, throw this iron right now. And, um. I took my mask off. I go, put your mask back on. I put my mask on, and I was so mad. And when I put my mask back on, I, I was promise you, okay, I, I don't feel like I hear the voice of God all the time, but I feel like God was like, really? <laughs> this is what you're going to, this really? This is what you're going to fuss about. You just had, come on, y'all. You just got done telling them kids to listen to the authority, and I'm over here acting like a... <sighs> Like an evil man. Somebody say rebellion. Number three, insecurity. 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 Lack of confidence will make you sensitive, unwilling to change because you feel attacked. It's a spirit of insecurity will get up in us sometimes. You ever notice that? So if somebody's trying to teach you something, they say something like, hey, can I tell you something about your hair or your, your smile or your personality? Can I give you an idea of thought? And your, your insecurity will rise up. And it makes you sensitive. And so when somebody tells you something, you're like, that's my hair. It's who I am. It's my shoes. It's my personality. It's my car. It's all silly stuff too, right? It's all stuff you really don't mean. It doesn't, it doesn't even matter. Like, it doesn't even matter. But someone's trying to help you. Hey, when you talk to that person like that, it made them feel, <laughs> but they don't know my heart. Of course they don't know your heart. There's nobody's a cardiologist around here. <laughs> There's nobody's walking around with an x-ray machine. No, we don't know your heart. We just know your hands. And when you screamed at that person for walking in the middle of your lane in the grocery aisle, it didn't come across great. Right? And so if you're insecure, you take things way too personally. I always tell people, don't take things personally, but take them seriously. If somebody says something to you, take it seriously. We don't take it personal. It's not personal. Because I was going to say, if somebody goes out of their way to say something to you, it's because they love you. Remember, wise man loves correction. I want to be wise. Number four, foolishness. Um, I've just noticed there are some people in this world, they have a spirit of foolishness on them, and they like, they don't even do it. They do it, and they love to do dumb things. 
And that spirit will jump up on you. And if that does, like if you enjoy being foolish, it won't matter what anybody tells you because they can't teach you nothing. Because you just like being foolish. You like acting crazy. The last one is just laziness. Um, I think the spirit of laziness can get on people. And laziness people, you know, lazy people wait for wisdom to come to them. It's an odd thing I've noticed. They're like, no, I'm going to let you come to me. Very busy. Got a lot going on. When you're ready, leader can come talk to me. Because I am anointed. And I'm just like, you're just lazy. And, and I just want you to know, anytime you're dealing with authority, it's always you taking the first step. Always. Um, I'll reference you when I said last week. Remember we talked about the Bible? It says, you draw near to God, and then what? It didn't say it the other way around. For a reason. It's in the Bible on purpose. A lot of times you think, like, well, I'm just going to wait for God. His wisdom. No, no. Like, great leaders I know, they go get it. They go get it. Number four. So I'm going to give you, real quick as I wrap up, it's so funny because I felt like I was really, really, my goal this week as a pastor was to not preach long. And I, every time I come up here, I get less and less notes and it just, I talk too much. I'm going to give you four quick ones. Can I do that real quick as we end? Is that okay? Is this too much? Okay. All right. I'm gonna, if you said yes, I'd still teach it anyway. All right, okay. So uh, four characteristics of a teachable spirit. Real quick. Humility. Humility. Humility is posturing ourselves to the world that we don't know at all. Proverbs chapter 22 says, The reward of humility and the fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. Um, I want you all to be able to say this. We all need to be able to say this. I don't see everything in this situation. So we're all going to say it. Just we're going to practice it. We're all going to say it. Everybody say this when you say, I don't see everything in this situation. That didn't, that wasn't hard. You can say that to people that say something to you. And And say it to yourself. Oh, man, maybe I don't see everything in this situation. Maybe I'm not. I want to start my life on just posture with the idea that God and others might know better. God and others might know better. God and others might know better. I don't see myself clearly. Even the mirror that we look at is distorted in some way. I don't see everything. I don't see everything. I got it. God, you got it. You got it. You, God's honestly, a lot of times God's wisdom and life and voice works through other people, especially authority. It's just a thought. One of the um, coolest moments I ever had, I got to meet John Maxwell. And um, he's a, like, if you don't know anything about him, he's an incredible leadership book. I mean, he's written like a thousand leadership books. He's like the most popular leadership person ever. He's, I mean, he's known for leadership. I sat down. I met with him. Got to meet with him for 10 minutes by myself, meet him. It's crazy. You know how many questions I got to ask him? You want to know why? Because he asked me questions nonstop. I'm like, John, Dr. John, there's nothing that I know that you haven't forgotten twice. There's no question. Stop asking me questions. I mean, how are you leading that church? How are you doing over there? Why did you do that? What's going on? I want to ask you something. But he had this posture of like humility where he's just like, I don't know everything. I'm, just, I'm trying to learn. That stuff is, God, isn't contagious. And if you want to be teachable, you got to have some humility. Number two is love correction. Proverbs chapter 9, don't rebuke the mockers. They will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. So I just want to know, whenever you're rebuked, whenever you're corrected, do you like it or do you hate it? 
based on the Bible that will determine what kind of a person you are. I like what we say around here um, at Rise. Uh, we say this. We have a statement, kind of a sticky statement for our, our distinctives. And we say this. We say, correction is for protection and direction, not rejection. So you just need to know this. If you come on our team, you're going to be corrected. Like it's not if, it's when. It's not if, it's when. And so when we correct you in something, it's not because we're rejecting you, which is how we all take it. If you have any of those first five signs, those first five spirits, but it's for your protection or your direction. We're trying to guide you. We're trying to help. There's, I know, just so you know, no leader in our church looks forward to those types of moments either. It's not like I can't wait to have a confrontational moment with one of our leaders. It's going to be powerful. They could potentially leave, say something crazy about us on social media. It'd be awesome. No, we're doing that to honor you so we can honor God because you came into our world and where our goal is to make sure you're stewarded and shepherded well. They have to love correction. And if you are loved, you are corrected. And if you're corrected, you're loved. Number three, seek wise counsel. I'm almost done. Seek wise counsel. They, the characteristics of a teachable spirit, they seek wise counsel. Teachable spirits, they chase wisdom. I tell you, they run it down. They don't let it out of their grasp. Wisdom must be, like a woman, pursued. Come on, guys. To all the, all the guys waiting for the lady to walk through the door. They never walk through the door. You got to go get them. They don't want you. You got to convince them. They, you just, I'm just, I'm giving you some of that. Come on, guys, y'all know what I'm talking about. Ain't no lady in the world walk up and say, well, let's get married. I want to, you are amazing. You're right off the bat. You got to convince her, comb your hair and kind of trick her into thinking you have some type of potential in life. <laughs> you got to go chase. Wisdom must be pursued. Proverbs chapter 19, get all the advice and the instruction you can. So you'll be wise the rest of your life. Um, can I give you just a quick thought on that? Um, I've had people ask me how to get a mentor. Right, Pastor, how do I get a mentor? What do I say? Do I just go ask him to mentor? You don't ask people to mentor you. You show people who you want to be mentored by. You show me of a teachable spirit. That's it. By the way, if you ever ask someone who's worthy of being like your mentor and you ask them, they should tell you no because they should be too busy doing things that you're inspired by to say yes to you. No one in my life that ever has been my pastor or mentor has ever been it because I asked them to do it. They've been it because I kind of just was around so much. They were like, I guess I'll just let you be here. <laughs> I might as well teach you something while you're literally around all the time. If I would ask any of those guys, I mean, are you kidding? Uh, the guys are on our board, Pastor Steve, Pastor Je There's a lot of churches, y'all. I just show up to their staff meetings sometimes and be like, what are you doing here? You're not on staff. <laughs> Come on. Me and Pastor Jason have taken trips to those churches, showed up randomly. Hey, we're here. We're ready to learn. They're like, well, you, but you don't work here. I'm like, I know. You see what I'm saying? Like, you got to go, go get it. Number four, last one is this. Characteristics of a teachable spirit, submission to authority. Submission to authorities are critical for the teachable spirit. Um, understanding that produces blessing and protection. You, um, I will say this. This is something I learned a long, long time ago. If I, it was a really wise pastor. He told me, he said, Aaron, I was like, man, I just want to, I just want to, I was playing around. I was like, I just want to get your anointing. You are anointed. I want that anointing. 
He goes, well, you get the anointing you're under, not the one you're around. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, you get the anointing you're under, the authority you're under. Because everybody can say they're my, that's what we do now with podcasts. And, well, who's your pastor? Well, you know, Stephen Furtick. He's my pastor. I'm like, I love Stephen Furtick. I listen to every one of his messages. He's amazing. That guy's a better preacher than I, he'll preach better than I ever will in my entire life. Incredible church. I've met him. He's an incredible man. But he's never met you and has never been able to actually correct something in your life. Y'all hear what I'm saying? There's a difference between a pastor and my pastor. There's a difference between a authority and my authority. Y'all, I know this is not easy. I waste for the last point, and I made y'all laugh. I put it to last because y'all can just delete this if you want. You just get to the end of the podcast. But we need spiritual authority in our life. And, and you, you don't get the blessing you're around, the one you can pause and say, I don't want to hear that anymore. I'm done. You get the blessing that you're under. Because this is old school. Pastor Jason will know this one. You get the, you get the oil from the beard. It drops down from the beard. The anointing is the oil from the beard. Like, I just, I just want to sit at the table. I just want to sit at the table. I just want to sit at the table because the authority, that's where the authority is. And uh, Proverbs chapter 11 says, where there is no counsel, the people fail. But in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Last thought, and I'll close. Um, just so you don't fall for the super counselor, super authority, through super mentor. I go to him for everything. There's a reason I think Solomon said multitude of counselors. Um, and I'll just give you some wisdom that I got a long time ago, and I'm done. Um, I, tr- I try to have like a... a uh, not a professional, it's kind of the wrong word, but just maybe an authority figure for each section of my life. So I have somebody I go to for about my finances. Because you want to know why? Because they're good with finances. I have somebody I go to about my physical body. You want to know I go to them for like my physical life? Because they're good with the, the physical world. Like I don't ask people who are not in the physical world about physical things. I have somebody in my life for my spiritual walk with Christ and my marriage, I have a marriage. Y'all see what I'm saying? And there's something about having a multitude of counselors to kind of create, create your own cabinet of like advisors. Like, how am I going to do? Because if you're teachable, you won't have one. You'll have a lot because you'll be looking for somebody to say something to you and to live and breathe life into you. Why? So you can have wisdom. So you can get to where you're supposed to get to. My goal, my hope, is that you would have a teachable, and I would have a teachable, we would all have a teachable spirit.